0: Welcome to Catechesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Catechesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K 6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash C-I-U. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Today I'm very privileged to have on our show Monsignor Patrick Pollard. He's a retired priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, but we've got him on today because he's also a coordinator for the Synod. And we're going to be talking with him about what's going on in their diocese as they prepare for the 2023 Synod, how the Archdiocese is practicing synodality. So Monsignor, thank you so much for being on Chattachesis today.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you, (laughs) man.
0: Why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Before the show, you mentioned you're retired, but you're hardly retired. Uh, So why don't you say a little bit about what you're involved in currently?
1: Well, thank you. I I was ordained a priest for the Archdiocese of Chicago in 1972. Since this is 2022, that's Mm -hmm. mean I'm approaching 50 years in priesthood. I retired in 2017. A little bit uh, after I was seventy years of age, mm-hmm. and uh, the cardinal uh, Cardinal Cupich kept me on doing several things. Mm-hmm. I sit on the presbyteral council. I'm one of the consultors. I'm on the archdiocese, and I'm his liaison to the archdiocesan pastoral council. Sixty laymen and women. The archdiocesan women's committee, uh, twenty-two women. I'm also on the archdiocesan finance council. And um, that keeps me from being dull. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, uh, then, uh, in June of this year, uh, the cardinal asked uh, myself and Father Lou Camelli. Lou Camelli is also retired uh, by age, but uh, he is a brilliant theologian.
2: Mm-hmm. As a
1: matter of fact, in the last issue of America magazine, he had an article on synodality. Terrific! We'll, they, so it'd be something for you to look at. Definitely, uh, we'll
0: try to we'll try to link to that too, Monsignor. So those who go to this podcast will be able to see that article.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, what we've done uh, for the archdiocese is the cardinal gave us the challenge. He said, "I need you to uh, reach out first of all to the consultative groups. So in our archdiocese, that means the presbyteral council." We have uh, 40 members of the Presbyteral Council, the Archdiocesan Pastoral Council, 60, mm-hmm. the Women's Committee, the Finance Council, we have 27 members of that council, the Consejo Hispano, there are 10 members there, the Diaconate Council, 40 deacons, and then reach out to the Office for Religious headed by Sister Joan McClinchy. so she's reached out to uh, women and men throughout the uh, religious women and men uh, throughout the archdiocese now what i what we did is tried to figure out how are we going to ask all these people to respond and we can't just do it verbally so uh, father lou and i created a workbook we call it a parish workbook Mm -hmm. it's uh, seven pages
0: and this, by the way, is, is how you're preparing for the synod, how you're responding to the Vatican. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Very good. And
1: uh, so uh, we put in the, the main questions, which is, how what does it mean to journey with the Lord mm. as community and participation and in mission? And to do that, uh, we, we went, uh, Father Lou looked at me and said, You know what this sounds like and what the Holy Father is looking to do is he's going back to Lumen Gentium Mm. from the Second Vatican Council, Mm. and he's taking segments of that uh, and said, let's move it to the next level. Mm. So in Lumen Gentium, in the very beginning, paragraph nine, Mm -hmm. at all times and in every race, God has given welcome. Mm-hmm. And then later on, the obligation of spreading the faith is imposed on every disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. In number thirty-two, Lumen Gentium says, "Holy Church is ordered and governed with a wonderful diversity."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I, I I think several of these thoughts that I pulled out are what the Holy Father has expressed. First of all, in his uh, uh, preliminary handbook for this uh, synod, and then the, uh, uh, in his uh, statement on September 18th, when he addressed all the priests mm-hmm. and religious of the Diocese of Rome. Mm-hmm. And then he repeated these same broad strokes of uh, an incredible welcome on October uh, 9th and 10th. When he opened the synod officially, and particularly in his homily, uh, in uh, his introductory remarks on the ninth, he said, "We've got to let the spirit be free. That's what part of this is all about." He said, "If we if we just come at the synod with our preconceptions
2: mm-hmm.
1: and put those forward, then we're locking the spirit in a cage."
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I want to go back to the connection that uh, you highlighted, a connection the Holy Father's making between Lumen Gentium and the Synod. And you you highlighted paragraph nine, which I think starts uh, uh, the discussion of the people of God as the church. Uh, Do you see, I see anyway, in, in his entire pontificate that Francis has been trying to extrapolate those very things that you just mentioned from Lumen Gentium and, and uh, it doesn't, so I, I did not make that connection. I think that's a terrific thing to do for our listeners, connect the that document from Vatican II with the Synod. But I definitely see those, uh, those pieces you pulled out of Lumen Gentium. I really see Francis as having highlighted those uh, throughout his pontificate, whether it was the Jubilee year, uh, whether it was um, his exhortation, uh, Joy of the Gospel, uh, he's he's really, from the beginning, had this vision of church that wasn't new, but was a kind of a renewal of the vision laid out by the Second Vatican Council. Is that how you see things?
1: Well, then you'll love paragraph <laughs> 33 of Lumen Gentium, uh, where it begins, The laity make up the body of Christ under one head. Hmm. And then it says, they are called upon as living members to expend all their energy for the growth of the church and its continuous sanctification, since this very energy is a gift of the creator and a blessing of the redeemer. Uh, I, I mean, to me, uh, what you're saying about Pope Francis, I think is so real. Uh, he's not creating a new; He's just... Right. Reminding us of uh, incredible uh, words uh, and uh, ideas and visions that were ratified uh, over 60 years ago. That's right. And I know. In,
0: in the theological world, we talk a lot about resourcing this idea of retrieving from the sources, but we we often don't think about Vatican II as one of those sources. And this is a contemporary resource, Mon, and and Francis, I think, has been about that business from the get go.
1: And if we use uh, Lumen Gentium, it's one of the basic documents of the Church, right? One and, of the constitutions, uh, and so inclusive. And one of the things I I studied a long time ago when this was a fresh document is that the Church Fathers placed the understanding of mary's role as chapter eight of mm-hmm. Gentium, the gensium mm-hmm. the final word mm-hmm. the last section uh, of this document on the church talk about the role of mary mm-hmm. where she has gone we hope to follow mm-hmm. living the example uh, of uh, of mary in our lives mm-hmm. so some wonderful uh, let, let's go back to the resources the, the, the and 60 years ago as a resource mm-hmm. uh, at some of the meetings of our presbyteral council well i gotta confess at our presbyteral council i'm the oldest member oh and, uh, <laughs> I, i've been referred to as monsignor methuselah
0: oh my goodness so, that's so, fantastic yeah, that's, all
1: right that's because the, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's because uh, in a conversation yesterday about a parish i i mentioned that uh Uh, I was there for uh, mass in uh, 1972. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just closed that church and combined it with another. uh, And uh, the chair of the Presbyterial Council, someone said to him, Matt, isn't that before your time? His name is also Matt. He said, yes, I was born in 1986. So I felt truly old.
0: Oh, well, you're on that council for a reason, though, to share your wisdom, as you know.
1: Let me throw uh, one of the things that uh, Pope Francis said that uh, I think is absolutely enthralling. And we're sharing uh, the, uh, there is a synod uh, coordinating team from the uh, USCCB. Uh, Richard Cole heads that team. And uh, we gather once a month for a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. We've only had one, and 127 dioceses participated in the first one. We're expecting more this Thursday afternoon. And one of the main key questions was to us, how have you followed out what Pope Francis invited the world to do? Of course, he invited us to talk about a synodal church and synodality. It took right. me a week to pronounce synodal correctly.
2: Right.
1: All right. So we're all on a, a learning curve to figure out what is he after? What is he asking? And then uh, there's this wonderful phrase in the Vatimicum, the handbook, mm-hmm. uh, inviting us to reach out to the mainstream of, the, of Christianity and the Catholicism And he said, let's reach out to the mainstream and the marginalized.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And that uh, Mm a couple of dioceses voiced, how are we reaching out to those who are non-participatory? How do we reach them? And so they were asking very basic questions of communication and uh, resourcing. And then uh, I, I was very proud to say, well, Here's a list of the people who we've encountered. Now, some have contacted us. Some we have contacted. We have uh, Father Bill Grogan uh, reaching out to all healthcare ministries in the archdiocese. Father Cleek Kiley in the Catholic labor groups. Uh, Dr. Dan Olson and ecumenical and interreligious groups. Mm -hmm. Father John Karchi, uh, Mundelein Seminary, Mm -hmm. which has over... 25 dioceses represented.
0: So let me me jump in there, uh, Monsignor. So that was a question I was going to get to. So uh, we're definitely of the same mind here. Uh, How do dioceses reach out to those marginal groups? And you're mentioning these liaisons. So do they in their work with the marginalized, do they just present these questions and gather the thoughts or how does that work?
1: Well, what I've invited each one of them to do yeah. Is use our workbook as a basis. Mm-hmm. The workbook, we have it in English, Polish, and Spanish. And
0: this is something your diocese created, correct?
1: We created it. Very good. And we've shared it with others who wish to. <clears throat> Some of them have used it. Uh, they've politely taken out my telephone number uh, and put their own in, and that's okay. That's exactly what we want. We just want to help. Something in people's hands, because yes. uh, we have it both. Uh, On paper and electronically. And on the Archdiocese of Chicago webpage, there's a link to Synod. And there you have an opportunity to uh, put in your own reflection Mm -hmm. and send it to us electronically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of the things it it spurred when people started talking about Synod is I got a call from Emily Cortina and our Colby House Ministry. And that is for the inmates at Cook County Jail. And she said, could they participate? We have sharing groups. And I said, by all means. I said, the Holy Father would just smile delightfully because thats I I can't think of any more marginalized than inmates in a jail.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and when you brought that up and uh, it made me it made my mind, I went back mentally to the uh, that the pictures of Francis washing the feet of the prisoners, uh, the very first year of his pontificate for that Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then uh, I've had our uh, uh, Deacon Dan Walter, who's the chancellor of the archdiocese, said he uh, was asked by the Catholic Lawyers Guild, could they participate? So anyone who asks to participate, we send uh, the workbook and a note about the link for doing it either electronically or on paper. And we ask the person who is responsible like Deacon uh, Dan Walter for the Catholic Lawyers, we said, ask them all to respond. They can do it directly to us Mm -hmm. or they can give everything to him. He can then synthesize. Uh, their uh, comments mm-hmm. and give them to us. Uh, just uh, late yesterday afternoon, uh, Avis Clendenen from Mercy Circle uh, in Chicago, which is a uh, retirement home with 101 residents, majority mm-hmm. of whom are women religious, uh, and it's situated with St. Xavier University and uh, Mother Macaulay High School with the Mercy Sisters uh, mm-hmm. founded. And uh, she asked, "Could our 101 residents participate?" And so I sent off to her the workbook, and said, "By all means."
0: So, Monsignor, the workbook—I'd uh, love to get a copy of that that we could link to as part of this show, uh, if that's okay with sure you. Make sure you get that. Wonderful. Uh, the questions in the book are those—are those, uh, are those the, the questions that we we received from the Vatican, like verbatim, or did are these questions that you sort of put into your own words that because really one of the questions I had is how are people dealing with the questions are those questions making sense is it are they impactful what's been your impression.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's. um, uh, The workbook idea is to give something Mm tactily either uh, on paper or uh, on computer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like we have a uh, retirement home with 18 priests and residents. Uh, So uh, rather than trying to locate their their email addresses, I went over and put uh, paper copies in all of their Mm -hmm. uh, mailboxes. Mm -hmm. And in there we have the the question, Mm -hmm. uh, a synodal church in announcing the gospel journeys together. How is this journeying together happening in your local church? And then what steps does the spirit invite us to take in order to grow in our journeying together? Most of that is from the Mm Vatamechim. But then as we added, as you respond, recall your experiences. Mm -hmm. Read these experiences in greater depth and gather the fruits to share. That's the primary question. Then, I think I that's, think
0: go ahead, Monsignor.
1: And then it's divided into the three segments. Mm-hmm. And that would be communion. Uh, uh, and we wrote, in the church and in society, we're side by side on the same road. How are we called to grow as companions? Listening is the first step, but it requires an open mind and heart without prejudice. All are invited to speak with courage and that in freedom, truth, and charity. And that's That's, that's mm -hmm. a few of my words, and the majority of the words are from the Vadimicum.
0: I really think that's the route that um, most dioceses are taking or archdioceses, that you have the Vadimicum, you have the questions therein, but it's good to give... to to personalize it in some way or to add a little pastoral touch or to make it give it a little more local flavor or enculturate those questions if you will so i think i think that's part of this whole synoidal process um is is how do we ask the questions in ways that have the most impact too uh since you know we're the ones on the ground that know these people that we're trying to or want to know the people that we're trying to uh, connect with. Here's a question I have for you, Monsignor. So at any one of these groups that you've mentioned that we're trying to listen to as part of the synodal process, after they've participated, what do you tell or do they ever ask? So what happens next? Or what do you do with these, these responses that we give you? What do you say to them?
1: Well, uh, I, I think we've got to do a little bit of hope and trust uh, in, in that regard. Uh, what is going to happen? Uh, I, one of the pastors looked at me and said, didn't we do this a few years back? We worked on it, and we sent in our thoughts, and uh, uh, did they ever get anywhere, or did it just end up in a circular file? So there's a certain cynicism. Mm. Uh, I I think there's a, uh, uh, again, I I think the world is ripe at the moment for trying to uh, respond. And and the Holy Father has invited the whole world to respond. And obviously some are, uh, those who uh, are inspired by Pope Francis are are wholehearted. Uh, Those who uh, are, are waiting for the next papacy, are not going to do much. Uh, But if you start tying things together, you give people a sense of their own uh, foundational elements. So when we, on the page where we talk about participation, we don't jump into the question. What we started with was this phrase, the constitution on the sacred liturgy from Vatican II 1963 called all the faithful to that full, conscious, and active participation in liturgical celebrations. And what has that come to mean in our post pandemic church? What have we done with full, active, and conscious participation when we listen or watch it on our computer? I have one of the parishioners here. Uh, I help at St. Francis in Henderson, Nevada, uh, during the winter. Uh, And uh, I'm here and uh, I was bicycling, uh, trying to keep my bones moving in synchronous pattern. And one of the parishioners stopped me and said, I really enjoy uh, having morning mass. Uh, I sit with coffee and my pajamas and watch uh, the, the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, do you think Father John will let me come to church in my pajamas? <laughs> and of course, I looked at her and said, not a chance. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the, uh, uh, just having that kind of a question being asked mm-hmm. has shown what the pandemic uh, has done to us, where uh, people feel there's a full, active, conscious participation and they're sitting looking uh, at a computer screen,
0: right? And on the one hand, uh, we want to encourage some kind of participation. Uh, you know, we want we would rather have some than none. And on the other hand, the challenge of uh, the words of the council. You know, the full, active, and conscious. Uh, certainly, the anything that's digitally mediated is not ideal when it comes to public communal worship, uh, but it's been a necessary instrument uh, during this pandemic. And in one sense, we're thankful for that. But to your point, how do we then inspire or, I don't know, encourage and, and help people um, uh, want to come back? to To their parishes and want to worship in person, and as you know, part of that is is helping them to feel safe. Which there's only so much we can do in the face of the virus, but uh, we're doing what we can do, and then the rest is on is on um, our witness uh, that we give, and and I think also Monsignor, this really brings up the question in my mind: How well do we uh, speak about and demonstrate? our commitment to our parish community, that community matters, that your presence in the pew matters to the rest of this congregation. I think that's a real challenge. Um, I think it's a fits right in very nicely with the synod and what it's trying to, to do. Uh, what are your thoughts about that?
1: I, I, they're they're uh, under that concept of participation. We wrote Synodality is at the service of the mission of the church, Mm -hmm. which all members are called to participate. Mm -hmm. Now, I I think one of the things that's happened is uh, the pandemic has described a different format of participation. Mm -hmm. And I've seen pastors absolutely drop the ball on this Mm. and just threw their hands up. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, seen other pastors very creative. Mm-hmm. They've installed cameras in their churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've in, installed uh, uh, television screens for people mm-hmm. so that they don't have to hold books. Um, they've uh, done uh, morning coffee and scripture on mm-hmm. uh, computers. Uh, I've done funerals because of our uh, technology in our church. I've done a funeral where family in Manila is watching at 1 a.m. in the morning mm. to bury their loved one because it's a live feed. Yes. Uh, I've done a live feed where uh, a few days after that funeral, one of the sons could not come in from Honolulu. Mm. And he was on computer at a three-hour difference. But mm-hmm. he was there. Mm-hmm. I've learned to speak to the people so i spoke to the family that was in manila i spoke to the family in honolulu from this church in henderson uh it's a different way of belonging Mm -hmm. but they felt like uh, they were being they were part of the assembly and and so many of us uh, are because of uh, our school a constant concern about children and spreading virus, our first school mass uh, in January, I did uh, as a live feed, and so all the faculty was sitting there, but the rest of the church was empty. So I'm talking to the children on mm-hmm. the computer. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I I I I felt sort of like a cookie monster or something, but I was communicating. Uh, uh, to the to the camera right. and uh it, it's not going to replace our being together right but it's certainly uh, a challenge for us to uh, to be able to address that i think synodality uh is just saying to us we're all in this together mm-hmm. and describe pope francis is saying describe what that togetherness means
0: Well, Monsignor, I'm excited uh, and hopeful uh, as I think about and imagine the pastoral energies and creativity that the synod and this practice of synodality might stir up. Uh, Let's do to kind of close out our conversation. Do you do you have a sense of hope about this synodal process and what Francis is trying to do? I do.
1: I have a great sense of hope about it. Uh, I am fascinated by the people who want to respond. I've viewed several of the responses already coming in on our web page. And I'd say out of eight responses I glanced at uh, this week, only one was negative. Mm. Seven were positive. Wonderful. Encouraging things like uh, continued work on social justice and such. Mm -hmm. I'm conscious of your time and the fact that I can babble on and on. May I invite uh, everyone to pray with me? I'm going to pray the prayer that will be said at every opening session of the Synod. It's a prayer that's been said since the first synods in the 400s of our church. If I may. Yes, please. We stand before you, Holy Spirit, as we gather together in your name. With you alone to guide us, make yourself at home in our hearts. Teach us the way we must go and how we are to pursue it. We are weak and sinful. Do not let us promote disorder. Do not let ignorance lead us down the wrong path, nor partiality influence our actions. Let us find in you our unity so that we may journey together to eternal life and not stray from the way of truth and what is right. All this we ask of you, who are at work in every place and time, in the communion of the Father and the Son, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you very much for that. That's a terrific prayer to close out this episode. Monsignor, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you.
1: Thank you. A great day.
0: <laughs> this has been another episode of Chattachesis and we look forward to chatting with you next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattakesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ and Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.